<laughs> oh, I'm coughing for real this time. It's not a bit anymore. It's just, you've just actually developed a cough. No, it's not a bit anymore. It really isn't. It really isn't anymore. <laughs> I, I'm actually just in like all kinds of, <clears throat> all kinds of discomfort. Is um, it unbearable? It. it <laughs> maybe you should. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, Ian, you need a need a drink to help take the edge off. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got some coffee. I guess that'll do. <laughs> well, hi everybody. This is the uh, this is the inciting moment podcast. Um, I wasn't planning on that being our little intro bit, but honestly, it's pretty accurate, as you can probably tell. I have a bit of a cold, and uh, it's not fun. It's no bueno. Um, for those Unbearable. who are tuning in, my name is Ian, your host. I don't normally sound like this, as you can probably tell by checking out earlier or later episodes. Who else here happens to be with me? Hi, I'm Sam, and the depiction of French people in this movie has offended me, because there was at least one decent Frenchman, and that's wrong. <laughs> of course. Uh... My name is uh, Harrison, and I am here. I'm basically Ian's uh, little voice in the back of his head trying to convince him to do bad things. Anyway, Ian, I think we should really get a drink to take the edge off. (laughs) 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 You know, we're not even reviewing the edge today, but uh, by the sheer coincidence that there is a bear in the feature presentation that we are going to be talking about, yeah, I I can see the comparisons to the edge, definitely. (laughs) I thought it was a prequel. <laughs> I mean, it does take place all that time earlier. I'm just saying. The the, 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 the Cubs, I'm just saying, one of the Cubs could have been Bart the Bear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, could have. It's like the MCU, but for wildlife. Do you think that uh, they used AI deepfaking software to put Bart the Bear into the Revenant? I actually think that they literally mauled him with a real bear. Uh, I, could, I could see that. I mean, whatever gets him his Oscar, I suppose, he, he finally got it. True spoiler alert. So, <laughs> the, the actual bear in The Revenant wasn't a real bear, weirdly enough. No, no, it wasn't. It was a man named Glenn Ennis. Could have fooled me. The real bears were the friends we made along the way. That's what I learned after <laughs> watching the movie. We bear bears. We bear bears. Uh... <laughs> God damn it. God, but, imagine watching We Bear Bears right after watching The Revenant. Care Bears with a vengeance. <laughs> Ian, when are we watching all bear movies? Hey. Oh, God. I mean, we're starting. I mean, Cocaine Bear is coming out soon, so I mean... Yes. That's something. Uh, again, about. another sequel. MCU Bears. <laughs> bear with me on this while we put it. off the talk of bears for now. Uh, mm-hmm. There's actually something that I'd like for you to bear with me on. And that is the fact that there is a recent video game that came out that is actually pretty all right, and for many people, pretty it's solid. It's not all right. <laughs> for many people, it is not all right. Depending on how you look at it, yeah, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> uh, Hogwarts Legacy came out recently. And uh, for many, it is uh, kind of refreshing because it is a somewhat complete-feeling game that doesn't have microtransactions or DLC or, like, uh, weird roadmaps that don't see any real content inclusions until, like, 
um, six months down, and it allows you to explore the world of Harry Potter, which, if you're into that franchise, hey, that's a-okay. Um, as someone who's not a big fan of Harry Potter, and mainly just, you know, casually enjoys the movies, can't say I, I'd find the most investment in it, but, I mean, as a game, from what I've seen, uh, gameplay is okay. <laughs> There's some odd details about it that I'm like, oh, okay, that that's a thing, alright. Um, but, I mean, what, what, what are your guys' takes on it? I know, Sam, you're saying it's not alright. <laughs> no, I'm saying people think it's not alright. So... I know a little bit of it because I follow stupid drama shit on YouTube. Of course, of course. (laughs) So essentially, for those who don't know, um, a lot of people don't like this game because it is related to the initial creative, uh, oh my god, Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. Even though it has no direct connection, I don't think she actually did anything with the game itself. She just basically collects royalties and says, nice. But a lot of people don't agree with J.K. Rowling's thoughts on trans people, which are kind of, you know... I don't want to touch that shit because it's an entertainment cha- channel, and we're not going to be insightful about politics per se. Because uh-huh. look, I—that's I, a talk about politics today. It's just—it's no bueno. You can't do it. It's too crazy. No, hence why we've kind of made a point of not really directly talking about it, unless it has something to do with the movie or media that we happen to be talking or about, or the French. But or anyway. the French. <laughs> uh, but, so, a lot of people disagree with her thoughts on trans people. So they tried, attempted to boycott this game. But mm-hmm. the problem is, when they attempted to boycott it, it had the exact opposite effect. Because they literally just promoted the damn thing by talking about it every single day. And it sold even more. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... Uh, if it's if some of the ethical views of Rowling herself uh, wasn't enough to uh, have people decide to do that, it's also just the fact of like Rowling has been notorious for just being very obnoxious, and so to not want to financially uh, support a game like this because I mean she's going to make money off of it. Um, some people have kind of made that stance, but I, I, I mean, at least it's not Blizzard, you know, <laughs> at least we don't have a, a situation like that where it, it, it's a little bit more than just, uh, an obnoxious singular person who's earning money, uh, who people find to be very obnoxious or a bit dickish with their views. Cause I mean... Eh, the the other problem is that the, the the game is just really good, and probably one of the truly good Harry Potter games out there. I know there were plenty of games that were based off of the movies, uh, Chamber of Secrets. I remember playing back in the day, but um, me with my little elementary school uh, dumb dumb brain, I didn't know how to play it, <laughs> and I also just didn't have the attention span for it. Yeah, I remember so... playing some of those games on the PS2. I just have yeah. vague flashbacks, Ian, of like PlayStation One Dumbledore. No, not Dumbledore. Hagrid. That's what he oh, is. Oh, I, I, I've oh, seen the images yeah. of PS One. All five uh, polygons Hagrid. of them. Oh yes, Mister uh, Cardboard Box Man. I okay. I will say one thing. He has more uh, polygons than um, 
uh, freaking Cloud from the original Final Fantasy VII. I'll say that much. Well, yeah, because well, he stole his polygons. Yeah. Fucker looks like a Roblox character. That's that's not a comparison. Uh, <laughs> nah, but like oh, accurate though. But on the topic of Hogwarts Legacy, the, I don't know really anything about it because Harry Potter don't interest me much. The only thing I really dislike about the game that I can blatantly say is. I don't like the practice of pre-ordering a game and playing it early because that opens a, a can of worms. Um, yeah, because I mean, with previous games, it's also incentivized developers to release games that are essentially unfinished, uh, which unfortunately has been a trend that has been going on for a good chunk of the 2010s, which is not something that I was ever a big fan of. And, unfortunately, it's still a thing, even in the 2020s. Yep. Hopefully that stops, and games like Hogwarts Legacy at least uh, incentivizes not doing that, because it just means more people are going to pick it up, because it's like, oh, it's a finished game, you know? Yeah, I hope it just doesn't incentivize even finished games having the pre-order it to play early for it, because... It opens the can of worms that a lot of developers try to market with games being paid for services as opposed to purchasing a digital product. Mm -hmm. And if it's a paid for service, then that means that they can at any single time just drop it and then you no longer mm -hmm. have it anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I mean, the only thing I'm hoping is, it, because Hogwarts Legacy, it's just recently dropped. Uh, what I'm hoping that doesn't happen is that they don't pull a move like they did with... I forget what the actual name of the re-release was. It was a remaster of Crash Team Racing. Uh, and Activision, what happened was the game came out, it was polished. It, it didn't have that many bugs. It had a couple, but I mean it was pretty stable game. Uh, but what happened was Activision, after the game dropped and it sold really well, they're like, okay, cool, roll in the microtransactions. And also, change the progression system to where basically you earn shit unless you pay money. That was a shitty move, and a lot of people were like, oh, you jerks. <laughs> Didn't they also do that same exact stick with the one uh, Star Wars Battlefront as well? And they, I think they did it twice. Uh, well, see, the, the, the game came out for Battlefront 2, and, um, people obviously were pretty pissed off because, uh, microtransactions basically, it had it where if you pay money, you basically get better gear, better stats, better, uh, uh, star cards, as they're called, basically perks, kind of like from Call of Duty, and, uh, enough people made a stink about it and actually returned their copies that active not Activision, Similar company, <laughs> but uh, EA, they were actually losing money, and EA had to scramble and completely reorganize the progression system, uh, and it was only months later, after they came out with more um, updates, that the game was, like, viable to play. Fuck around, find out. But yeah. going back to Hogwarts, I can only really say what I've heard from my buds who've played it, and that it's, a, so far, it's a pretty fun game. The mm -hmm. controls are pretty, you know, tight. They're nice. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all I've really heard about the actual game itself from someone who's actually played it. 
But I've, I've seen the story and the ending where your teacher looks at you and says, you are the Hogwarts legacy. That hit. Oh. <laughs> that really does. That's That slapped like an Attica dad, That's, that's you know? even better than when your character in Elden Ring says, I found the Elden Ring. It's me, uh, John Elden. It's... It's John like when Eldon. Leonardo DiCaprio like looked at the dude and he's like, "I'm the Revenant." <laughs> Motherfucking Revenant. That sounds. Cool, it's Revan time. <laughs> it's Revan time. Any Star Wars fans out there? And then he revenants all over the bear. Oh God! It was oh, brutal. Yeah. It was a brutal and scene. And Tom Hardy. Oh, it was kind of hot. Oh, what yeah. were we? Ta- what are we talking about? <laughs> I think movies. Um, just general thoughts on Hogwarts Legacy. I mean, uh, talking about the actual game itself, one thing I have noticed is that looking at gameplay footage, it makes the magic element of Harry Potter seem a lot more interesting than it is in the movies. Like, it's a little more um, flashy, which I know... Some people were, it's like, oh, well, the the magic was intended to be more subtle and whimsical and stuff like that, not like super anime destructo powers and stuff like that. But the thing with me is, I've had conversations with people about this before, I just kind of thought that Harry Potter, compared to most forms of fiction that deal with magic, it's a little underwhelming in that area. You know, purely from, like, the magic capabilities that people can do. I mean, hell, Gandalf, I actually think, is more capable of a wizard than Harry Potter is. Dude, I'm gonna throw my controversial statement anytime Mm -hmm. someone brings up Gandalf and his wizardry. Homeboy is basically just a D&D 5e ranger. He just fights with a sword and a quarterstaff and just uses, like, a, a white flash spell whenever he needs to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the pure just stance of having a sword alone, I mean, that's something. And, and, and the weird thing is that, like, in Harry Potter, um, magic can't really go through solid objects so if he were to go in with like say a shield or hell i i could have sworn that gandalf even has like a magic barrier that he can project i mean right then and there he immediately has something over most wizards in harry potter to the point where he can solo most wizards in the harry potter universe like, I mean, Gandalf's it, I, whole shtick isn't it just a magical bubble around himself and flashing lights, and then he just kills the person with a sword? Hey, I'm just saying, I think the Hogwarts one's got it made. They got self-plumbing. Oh, hell they yeah. They According do. to J.K. Rowling themselves, they just they just crap their pants and wish it away. So, yeah. I mean, say what you will, but, I mean, like, <laughs> Gandalf, get out of class. Get done. Outplayed, I, even. <laughs> I, I guess the big detail... Uh, that that I remember seeing it was literally an article tagline that had my interest sort of peaked. Well, well not interest. I, I should say just um, at first confusion, but also like wondering of like, well, how the fuck do you implement that? There was an article tagline uh, before Hogwarts Legacy came out that said, "Oh yeah, uh, players can torture other Hogwarts students." And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's a thing, apparently. <laughs> From the memes I've, I've been seeing, it, it looked like people were saying this is like the school shooter uh, 
simulator. Uh, uh, I, I guess there's a play style for everybody. If you want to be a school shooter in Hogwarts, I, I guess that's an option. Magical Columbine, but that's as dark as my jokes are going to get. So <laughs> We should right. probably change Uh-oh. subject. Yes. Yeah, let's 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 go on ahead and, and, and go on to our next little topic. A topic that kinda plays into the uh feature film that we'll eventually get around to that we've been uh really uh bearing with each other to sustain our excitement for. Um and it's a question for y'all. Question for you know, discussion and whatnot. The question is um there's a lot of movies with production design uh, set work, cinematography, all that jazz that really has the ability to pull you into the environment that the movie is uh, portraying, the the atmosphere and whatnot, just the general ambiance of the location that you're witnessing uh, before you. And I guess my question is, what was a movie that you like uh, primarily, it doesn't have to be the entire reason you like the movie, but a movie you like for how it uh, presents its atmosphere and just how it crafts it and kind of immerses you in the, uh, the the feature film playing before you. All right, I'm, I'm going to say mine before intrusive thoughts win and I say the wrong movie. Um, okay. Mad Max Fury Road, I'd say. Okay. What is it that uh, really brings you into that? Um, I really, really enjoy how the full... I'm trying to think of the best way to word it. Essentially, everything from the color palettes used, the costuming, all of it just sells what the environment is for it. I really like little touches to details, too. Like, there's part of it where... um, I vaguely remember now, because it's been forever since I saw it, where he pacifies someone by shooting a gun next to them and all the audio just cuts and it slowly reels back in. Because that's what would happen. You'd basically lose your hearing. It's just all these little details like that in the movie that really sell it. No, I get that. What about you, Sammy boy? It's actually a couple movies and they're all all the same genre. (laughs) It's um, Aliens, Infinity, and Sunshine. Okay. A, a good sci-fi set where you really feel like you're in a spaceship out in space can just do wonders and really set you in this, you know, universe in which, you know, we're basically in a tin can in space. Anything like that is just chef's kiss, man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think Aliens probably did the best with that industrial style where you can, like, see, yeah, like, you can suspend your disbelief and not just think, because, you know, it looks like something that you, you know, would be made in the future. It looks industrial, downgrade, stuff like that. Just, I, I like that stuff. That, that, that's a very good atmosphere. How about you, Ian? Any, anything specific? or? Well, I, I mean, first off, some might say this is a little cheating, but uh, the, the first one that comes to mind purely in terms of just the, the environment that it creates uh, Blade Runner right off the bat. Oh shit! I should have said that, I, I, Harrison. <laughs> well, I should have listened. I, mean... I should have listened to you, Harrison. I should have called that. <laughs> I, I chose wrong. The other ones are good, but like, god damn, sorry. Oh yeah. no, no. When I was saying intrusive thoughts were gonna win, it was gonna be a movie that was setting it off. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> now you have to say it. Uh, well, no, yeah. Not, what, what, what would be a you, movie you, that sets me off? 
Eight crazy nights. Really? What? <laughs> Adam Sandler. Eight crazy nights. Really? Uh, oh, no, I hate. Th- I don't why? like the movie. I'm gonna be real. It's just I know that movie's awful. I had to stop myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was more of like a spiteful sort of. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, sometimes there's like a it's like a punchline coming. You have to like hold it back to give a legitimate answer. You know. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I get you. Well, I mean, with my pick, that being Blade Runner, I. The thing is, I could have picked either Blade Runner movie, I could have picked Blade Runner, I could have picked Blade Runner 2049. I personally said Blade Runner, the original one, because it's all physical. Like, everything. Obviously there's, you know, still compositing effects in there and whatnot, but I I mean, the fact that all of it is real sets, real models, real... just everything makes it. Like, Blade Runner is a, a, a benchmark of practical effects, set work, all that crazy stuff. You know? I would say, you know, a, a, another easy one is Star Wars, but I wanted to go with something that's a little different because, well, I mean, <laughs> I think that's the first one most people think of anyway. Like, uh, naturally, you know? I mean... I can say Star Wars is impressive from a technical standpoint because uh, George had this interesting uh, uh, technique where on the Death Star, because of how difficult it was to actually place lights in the general area to like, you know, light certain subjects and stuff like that, he, he had to brainstorm a little bit to make it work. So what he did was that, okay, well, what if instead of like having different light fixtures we literally work the lights into the walls of the set so like all of those light panels that you see on the uh the the walls of the death star those are like giant light rigs that are being shown through like little plastic screens that are having the light go through that and bounce off different walls so basically george was able to film the entire scene from any angle he wanted without having to worry about accidentally getting, like, lighting equipment in the picture. I mean, it, it, it was pretty innovative. But, I mean, that's a different sort of thing. I'm talking about, like, general atmosphere, like, bringing you in. And Blade Runner, dear lord, it just brings you in. Like, it's just out of this world, just how impressive it was because i mean the 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 skies are like this weird murky red sometimes sometimes even like dark blue mainly blue obviously just because of the nighttime aesthetic and all that um god it it just has a distinctive look that you can tell a lot of movies afterwards tried to replicate just like the replicants try to replicate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if I had to think of another one besides Blade Runner, because I did say that that one's kind of cheating, because that was like the big one that started the whole cyberpunk, you know, futuristic world. That's, that's look. not cheating. It's just right. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, in the same way, I I don't think it's cheating to say that uh, The Thing is the best horror movie because, well, it's not cheating, it's just right. <laughs> God, yeah, no, God, I, I, I punked myself out. The Thing's a great option, too. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, that one's also pretty good just because of, like, how you look at that movie and you're like, ah, I'm getting chilly. I think my brother might be a fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but if I had to think of another one, I would have to say, you know, it's a simpler one, but I think it's a, a, a neat one. I, I think that, uh, uh, in particular, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie really gives you a look into, uh, New York City. They really did their best to, like, show New York City for what it was, you know? I think Sharknado did a better job, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, pal. pick. There's just a lot of cases like that. Um, I mean, from a sound space sort of thing, uh, I would have to say a recent one was a movie called The Sound of Metal. If you happen to, I remember that one. That one almost purely just because of how it was using sound and brought you into, like, just the general feel of, like, what the environment was like and stuff like that, especially through the main character. Because the whole thing is that the main character, he he's potentially going to go deaf within a certain amount of time. So doing as much sound-related stuff as possible, it, it really sense. brings Makes you sense. into that. Yeah. I, I had another one come to mind, Ian, that is not a joke this time. Yeah. <laughs> um I I am a big fan of anime movies and you okay. know, like you get a lot of people say that, like there's classic ones, like any Ghibli movie people kinda know. Those ones are kind of oh, well God, known for the atmosphere thing. they Yes. <laughs> but my favorite non Ghibli one, because Ghibli ones are too easy, is they the um the third movie for uh, the Madoka Magica series, Rebellion, is uh -huh. basically a psychedelic fever dream of a movie. Mm -hmm. And the spoilers for the movie, um, essentially, this the movie is like this trippy, surrealist thing where one of the characters is like in this feeling of uncanniness about the world around them and keeps trying to get the people around them to realize that something about the world is off. And everyone else is like, no, no, nothing's wrong. But all of the design of everything, people in the background are clearly like missing their faces and things will just oh. like abruptly like stop at parts. Like the city just has a br an abrupt edge. And it's just everyone around them being like, no, yeah, nothing's wrong. It's all normal. This is what we normally do, you know? Huh. And it, it encapsulates this sort of descent into madness perfectly. Neat. Speaking of descent into madness, I got nothing. We should talk about the shark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of. I mean, the making of the movie was definitely a descent into madness, considering the conditions. I Sam, I think what you meant was speaking of a descent into madness. Now bear with me here, God, the dude. Revenant. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just making mistake after mistake here. Yeah. Well, I mean, what better way to talk about atmosphere and like mood in a film 
purely through like the environment and cinematography and whatnot than to talk about the 2015 action drama The Revenant starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. So this movie is one of few movies that I, I uh, at least when it comes to recent films, uh, I have watched more than three times. Uh, which is saying something, because like there's there's a lot of good movies out there, but very few of them have they really uh, clicked with me when it comes to like recent ones. Like The only big three I can think of that I've seen more than three times are Spider-Verse, this movie, and purely because I, I went to the theaters multiple times, uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, those are the more recent ones that I've watched more than three times. Uh, most other movies, um, I don't know. There, there, there's very few as of recent that I've watched more than three times. Twice, that's that's something. But, I don't know. A lot of the other ones that I, I would like to watch again are unfortunately uh, way too long. Uh, the Batman falls into that camp. Uh, Infinity War falls into that camp. <laughs> um you know, I, I, I'd like to watch La La Land uh, again, because I liked that one. It's just one of those movies I haven't gotten the time to just, you know, set aside to watch it. But um, I'd like to, because that's another good recent movie. Um, but this one, I, I don't know, man. There was just something about it that at first I couldn't put my finger on, but as I'll go into later, um, it really clicked with me. So this movie is based on a 2002 novel of the same name, uh, written by Michael Punks. Michael Punks. Yeah. And it is the story of a frontiersman named Hugh Glass. And uh, in the film, he is with a full group of frontiersmen who are trying to make it back to a home base with a bunch of pelts that they got on their little journey. Uh, throughout the way, they deal with a bunch of Native Americans that have been uh, hunting them as they are trespassing on their land. Um, and during the travel back home, uh, he is attacked by a bear and pretty close to death. He is in no condition to even uh, breathe properly. And uh, when he is nearly uh, killed off, given the fact that uh, he's almost dead. Um, his son, as well as uh, two other members of the group, uh, stay back to uh, tend to him while they make it back to home base. However, Tom Hardy, a very disgruntled frontiersman that is thinking of the pelts, more pelts and nothing but the pelts, uh, decides uh, he's basically dead, so I'm just going to bury him and, and kill him here. Uh, his son doesn't take very kindly to that, and promptly Tom Hardy kills him and uh, leaves Hugh for dead. And uh, it's up to Hugh to survive the harshness of the wilderness that he's in, as well as uh, any other obstacles that present themselves, to make it back to civilization, but also get his revenge on Tom Hardy for killing his son. And uh, if I may start with general thoughts, 
this is a fantastic look at uh, just A-grade cinematography in terms of how it just brings you in. Um, obviously, I'll go into nitty-gritty later on, but I, I just thought that this was a very raw film. I found this to be a very uh, tense and, like, edge-of-your-seat kind of stuff, just considering the shit that happens in it. Um, it's very suspenseful. And I remember watching this for the first time, and it was one of the very few ones where I was, like, tensing up, especially in the uh, uh, later confrontations. Um, and just the stuff that was being thrown at uh, Hugh throughout the way. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think of this movie? So it's pretty decent. Pretty decent. It kind of sold, to me at least, the sort of... Uh, unbridled nature of like the american wild west i think it was in canada oh right. was it i have no clue none whatsoever uh, it was in uh missouri uh, look how wrong i am again oh it was missouri ah <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, makes sense why that try- guy was trying to go to texas yeah it does <laughs> but i mean in terms of general thoughts i thought it was, it was pretty fucking good Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I usually don't like period pieces like that, especially in, like, uh-huh. you know, that time period. I don't know. They just never really interested me, you know? But uh, it, yeah. managed to, it managed to keep my attention throughout the entire movie, despite its, you know, incredibly long runtime. But in terms of just things I really, really liked, I, the acting was fucking phenomenal from everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Action was pretty fucking dope. It really was. And it had a good pace. And obviously, the cinematography was fucking fantastic too. Overall, right. just it was just it was just a great it was a great film. You know what I mean? It was just a really really good film. Yes. And it's it's one of those things where yeah, it's long, but I feel like I can actually rewatch it because it's not too depressing. It's not too. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's it's, it's not too heavy. I guess. Is it, it, no, it really isn't. There's some heavy parts in there. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but like I don't know, there, there's something about like they did it in a way that in which they didn't show too much of it, as to which it became like a, almost like a just trudge. Yeah, it, it, it's not. Um, oh, what's what's the phrase I sometimes hear for like movies that are just trying to be really sad? Uh, misery porn. It's not misery porn. Yeah, it really like, isn't. Like it shows a lot of violence, but it's not gonna show you a lot of uh stuff tied to it like he gets attacked by a bear but it doesn't like show his wounds until after they've like healed yeah it's not gratuitous yeah no it's really not it's really not it it, the the violence is there because i mean back then that's kind (laughs) of that's that's probably what you would expect Given the, the, the circumstances, the situation that a lot of the frontiersmen were in, and and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's there because it kind of has to be there. But it doesn't you know? linger. No, it doesn't. It really does not. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, this is not, with, like, people's, like, guts hanging out. Which, granted, that's another movie where, I, I, I mean, you kind of have to have that kind of violence yeah. there. Because that's how it was. If you're going although, to be accurate, that's how it was. Although, little pinpoint, there are guts. Only animal guts. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess um, if you don't like seeing animals uh, being killed, uh, maybe, you know, certain parts you might want to look away. Uh, the, the only big one is, um, <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, there, there, there's a point where um, Hugh Glass um, pulls a Empire Strikes Back and uh, cuts open a horse like a tauntaun and hides in it. <laughs> yeah. I I was watching this with my girlfriend who's a um who's a a, a big horse person and uh, she obviously had to look away and I even gave her a heads up like oh hey if you don't like seeing horses um you know being maybe um look away and she was like uh, so so what's going on and uh, I even told her yeah you know that one scene in uh, Empire Strikes Back and she's like oh and I'm like yeah. You 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 you'd think that they smell bad on the outside, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so there there's there's that. Um, which actually, if we're talking about the wildlife real quick, uh, one really big thing that I was kind of impressed by was um, the only real animals, as far as I'm aware of. There there could be a couple of exceptions. Um. That I'm not aware of, but uh, most of the animals are actually CGI, and the only real ones are the horses. Hmm. Uh, the bear, for example, uh, CGI. Some of the elk and deer that show up, uh, they are CGI too. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the birds as well, CGI. It's worth and... noting, though, for the bison. They do eat actual bison meat. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a perfect segue into another part of this uh, this this movie that was kind of interesting. Uh, it was the conditions that it was uh, filmed under. People's breath that you see going onto the camera. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. That's 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 accurate uh, because it is fucking cold when they were filming that. <laughs> it was really cold the conditions were horrid but um they wanted to get the wilderness for what it was uh they only had a set amount of time that they could film sometimes they had to postpone filming because the conditions just weren't good enough uh and in the case of that one scene uh leo who is vegetarian vegan one of the two yeah when when he throws up from eating the uh the the bison that that's real and whatnot that's that's him actually eating bison and because of that he's throwing up so i mean just to give an idea of the the conditions and whatnot which i mean if we can also talk about another thing uh the cast of the movie how did we feel about the casting of these characters motherfucker i didn't know those tom hardy till someone told me <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Seriously, exactly. Everyone, everyone, everyone just rocked it, man. I don't know what else to say. They just fucking killed it. They really did. I mean, this is the second time that Tom Hardy just completely transforms himself, and you just can't tell who he is. Yeah. This time, though, even more impressively, because he's not wearing a mask. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, obviously, you know, Bane was the first big one. I mean, shit, he had to bulk up a fuck ton for that role. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, if we could also talk about something else, I mean, this is, of course, the movie that um, got Leo his uh, 
is Oscar. Definitely he got des- it. He definitely deserves it. But my question for you guys, is this Leo's best film? I don't know. I don't um, know. I, I, I've teeter-tottered over the years. I don't watch enough Leonardo DiCaprio films to kind of know that, unfortunately. Okay, okay. I mean, one thing I will say is that most of the movies that he's in, he is without a doubt the best part yeah, of he, each of them. He's pretty fucking good. I would probably say I this. I mean, he was fantastic in Blood Diamond. He was fantastic even in underwhelming movies like The Great Gatsby. I know? think I think Blood Diamond is my favorite movie of the Iron Capio. Interesting. Okay. And I mean, of course, of course, you can't go with talking Leonardo DiCaprio without at least mentioning Django Unchained. That's another good one. He could do heroes and villains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I will say is that um, there, there, there is a, uh, a criticism to be made with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio where I, I kind of agree uh, people claim that uh, he's too heavily reliant on uh, screaming a lot, but frankly, I, I think it, it, it's the the intensity that he definitely brings, and that's why a lot of his roles, he, he has that, because, I mean, he can go from being chill and calm, but then, like, at the snap of a finger, I mean, he, he can go into, like, fucking feral animal sort of demeanor and stuff like that which again he does that here i guess the big thing is that i i guess maybe he does shout a little too much i can see where that comes from um but i don't know if this is the movie that really gets him that because one impressive thing is that for a good chunk of the movie he really isn't talking and the fact that uh his physical condition sort of limits how much he can talk also sort of um, incentivizes physical acting, like emoting yeah. and stuff like that, which I will say, he does a pretty good job at. You know, Ian, it's it's really funny now that I think about it that the film that gets him his uh, Oscar is the one that he's not really talking in. Look, I'll be real. This is the movie to yell in. If you were mauled half to death, left by your allies, I don't think words will solve much. Right, and I mean the the thing is, is that if if we can go into like the the bear attack scene, first off, the bear, the bear was the only time where I uh, immediately could tell that some of the animals weren't real. Uh, I, I guess the only other one is a shot of like a uh, a crow that's on like a a branch perch. I only noticed it just recently because I was like uh, rewatching a couple clips not too long ago, and I noticed, oh, the crow is CGI, okay. But, um, most of the other animals, I I mean, I only know now, after the fact, that they were CGI. You know? Uh, it makes sense that they're CGI, because being able to orchestrate that for real would have been fucking insane. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, especially yeah. considering yeah. the conditions no. that they're already in. It would not have um, But... Most of that bear attack scene is Leo either flinging himself around or being on uh, wires that are, like, pulling him around and stuff like that. They and, they also had a guy wearing a bunch of, like, blue to put reference where the bear would be at, too. Oh, okay. I mean, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that actually really helped. Um, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, there's not... There's a lot to say about the movie. I mean, it's good. It's just a good film. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, uh, I, I mean, it, it's just really solid. Um, I think the only really big criticism I have is that the middle act, I think, isn't paced the great. It, it, it kind of chugs along just a little too slow in the middle. Like, I want to say it was after... It was after when Leo is, like, flung through the uh, the, the river that uh, it, it kind of starts to slow down just a little bit. But, I mean, that it, it's kind of needed. It, it's hard to cut that down just because of how you have to show all the other characters getting back to base camp, Fitzgerald getting uh, disgruntled because he isn't getting paid yet, because not everybody's back. You kind of have to show that, so... It's it's difficult unless you like do some really awkward cutting that sort of comes off as disjointed and maybe is too quickly paced. But I I mean, eh. it's 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 a simple premise. It's a, you know, it's a revenge movie, you know. Yeah, and it's it's very satisfying in its base regard. The setup is really good, and the payoff is pretty damn good too. Oh yeah. So, so at the very very least, it got the base equation down. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, when you get to the uh, spoilers, the final confrontation when Leo finally catches up with Tom Hardy and they have that final standoff, that was a moment that uh, I, I, I was like white knuckled watching that scene for the first time. Yeah, it does brutal fights really well. Yes, it was so like push and pull, like back and forth, each of the characters were like one-upping each other in 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 the scuffle and you're like oh god like either one of them could die here and of course you know the the ending uh it, it's a little ambiguous if like he's about to die or not again you know by this point people should know we're in spoilers uh he does not uh end up being the one that kills tom hardy uh, it goes back into this theme of uh, revenge is in God's hand, and he notices that there's a couple of uh, Native Americans further down the uh, river, so he goes ahead and floats Fitzgerald down the river, and they uh, they they uh, they they give him a, a a close shave, if you will. Yes, it's also worth mentioning that earlier in the movie too, Fitzgerald was telling the uh, one kid that he escaped barely with his wife before, but that's why he has a bald spot, as he tried. He was almost scalped in the past. Yes. Indeed. So that time, it's almost like they finished the job of uh, fully scalping him. Yeah. God will, mm -hmm. you know, give revenge to God. Mm-hmm. Um, one last really big thing I wanted to just kind of ask you guys about, uh, primarily with the cinematography... Mm -hmm. um, something I noticed uh, this time around that really clicked with me why the cinematography in particular really takes me in is if you notice a lot of the framing of the shots, um, they're very wide and up close. There are very few times where like it seems like they went with a tighter focal length like a lot of the lenses that they use are very wide to the point where like it's almost fisheye at times. And yeah. yet they bring the camera really close up to people to the point where y you can see their breath on the lens, which normally people would find very distracting in any other movie. But 
I kind of thought that the cinematography was almost intentional in that regard. Because it's one thing when you have those big battle sequences where the frontiersmen are attacked and it's like panning throughout this giant battle going on, showing like all the, you know, combatants dying all throughout that. What I noticed, especially in the ending, uh, if you guys remember, right before the movie cuts to black, uh, Hugh actually looks directly into the camera as if someone's there. And I started thinking, oh, well, this is interesting because to me, it almost retextualized why the cinematography was so wide and so up close to a lot of these characters to the point where like it almost felt like you yourself were there. And when Hugh looks into the camera, I started wondering if the implication is the reason why the cinematography was so wide but so up close is because you, the viewer, are almost like this third party following Hugh, following these people. Almost similar to how they portray uh, Hugh's uh, wife, who, long before the movie starts, uh, is dead. Almost like you're a, a, a spirit, sort of following Hugh's journey and whatnot. And I just thought that... Uh, to me, anyway, that that's sort of how I, I read the cinematography. The whole point is that it's wide because it's as close as you can get to, like, the human eyes and how they perceive the world around you. So, I mean, I guess what I could really say about the movie, it it, it just delivers. I think that's the best way to put it. it del- literally, the, the title itself delivers. A Revenant, for those who don't know, uh, a creature in which, you know, a person dies, their spirit rises up, and basically, as long as their spirit is a around they'll go to kill whoever killed them essentially it's a revenge spirit i guess you could say and well that kind of yeah exactly what leo was in the movie he rose up supposedly from the dead but you know it's tough survival and shit like that but you know he he, to many of the characters he rose from the dead and killed his killer in the end he dies like revenant he gets back up from the dead gets his revenge boom it's a revenge plot Mm -hmm. you get the setup you get the payoff it's just it just delivers it's 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 there's no diversion. There's no delusion. It's it's a Revenant film, baby. It's a revenge film. It's a good one. There's more going on to it, background stuff, but it's it's simple. It's beautiful. It's really well made, and it fucking delivers exactly what it's going to promise you. It doesn't hide anything from you. Oh, no. And it really, uh, like, sells the atmosphere that the characters are in because the environment is just brutal. It is cold. It is unbearable. It is oppressive. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of shit that he's thrown through is insane. And the fact that he's constantly, like, adapting to it. Just barely avoiding death. It's a, it's a film that made go, fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Yeah! <laughs> exactly. I mean, if I had to ask you guys one last question regarding the very last few seconds when he looks at the camera, how do you view that? He's dead. And he's, he dies. Like, like I said, so? he's a revenant that did his purpose and now is moving back on. You know, he's, he's That's going. That's true. He, he's, he's dying. Plus, he sees his dead wife. I mean, bada not bada only bada does boom. he see his dead wife, but he sees his dead wife walking towards the light. Yeah. Yes. He, he dies. Plus, I'll be to honest. To which he's about to, to join her. Exactly. Yeah. Not only did he get mauled to death. Basically, did that three times in a row by a bear. He continued to crawl, God knows how many miles, 
then you know fall down a cliff into a river get stabbed in the leg then the fucking stomach he's dead <laughs> there's suspension of disbelief and then there's this he, motherfucker's dead mm-hmm <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's easy to tell that I think we'd all recommend it, easily. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I recommend it too. If um, yeah, if nothing else, just to see the movie that got him the fucking Oscar. Exactly. I I mean, you know, people have their opinions on whether or not he he gets it. Because I mean, there's also the camp of people that make a stink of you know the award that he got from this movie because. They think it was the conditions that he was in that got him it, which I can see where people can get like that. Like, I, I, I don't think that, um, you know, oh, they, they, they filmed this in, like, negative 20 degree weather sh- should be the thing that gets people awards. Because if that's the case, uh, to to quote a episode of uh, Half in the Bag that reviewed this um, movie... Uh, if we're going by that logic, then Jackass deserves all kinds of awards. They do shit like that, but even worse, like, on multiple occasions. So, I... I don't know, man. But, I mean, it it really is just the the performance that I I can see where it got him that. Because it's a little different. He's not overly reliant on how he delivers dialogue. No, it's all about how he's taking in the events you know it's how he's responding to it how he's pushing through and stuff like that people will have their opinions but in my opinion i I can see where he got the award whether that's the movie that really got him it i i don't know because i like a lot of his roles one thing you can definitely say he's always the best part of the movies he's in but at the same time, you can also say the same thing about, say, Bruce Campbell in every movie that he's in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you you can say the same thing uh, to an extent about Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh well, well mm, mm, I don't know. Uh, Pre-John Wick, maybe not. Because, I mean, he was in Bram Stoker's uh, uh, Dracula, and he was awful in that. But I digress. Um, yes recommendation from i assume all three of us it's fantastic um another small thing really like the soundtrack the soundtrack is another big thing that really adds to the atmosphere it is all kinds of just ominous and all that jazz it gets intense it gets very you know atmospheric in the exact way that um really elevates the environment that the characters are in in a way that uh, listening to it on its own you might not think but it really communicates this sense of loneliness and just a foreboding presence that the environment itself basically inhabits because dear lord it sometimes feels like it's after Hugh throughout the movie Harrison any final thoughts before your recommendation yeah no I think I think Ian kind of summed up uh, my main thoughts on it pretty well. Because uh, really, a lot of what makes the movie so good is how well the atmosphere kind of pulls you into the American West. And, I mean, the the other thing I want to preface is that the atmosphere itself is not the only thing that this movie has going for it. Because the, the performances are good. 
I mean, throughout the movie, you you want Hugh to catch Tom Hardy, because I mean, Tom Hardy he he's a rat bastard. He killed his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he plays an absolute asshole. So, I mean, it know. worked. Sto- Story wise, perhaps you could argue it's not the most involved, but I think it's just enough to where. It keeps you invested. It delivers to me now. anyway. It Fucking does. It delivers. really does. All right. Yeah. Speaking of recommendations. Indeed. So, Sammy boy, you had an idea for our next session, which, for those of you tuning in, is going to be one of our longer than usual mega sessions. Sammy boy, what was the plan that you had? I think it would be perfect to do the OG of the MCU and one of the first major. Black superhero characters. Blade. Blade trilogy, baby. I'm talking ice skating uphill, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to make that reference. You kind of have to. It's in. It's yeah. We're going to be looking at the uh, the the trilogy for the first major uh, superhero movie uh, starring a a black actor, unless you count uh, Steel. But Steel, that, that's not a movie. That's just an experience. A thing we'll leave that it happened. at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, a uh, successful one. One that uh, kind of is overlooked. And, uh, you know, watching you might not think is all that notable. But, I mean, back in the day when it came out, uh, I'd argue it pretty much was it, it was the one that kind of brought superhero movies out of the uh the dark age that kind of was started by batman and robin those so. bitches <laughs> bat credit card indeed you had the balls to give him a bat credit card <laughs> i'm trying to do my best doug walker impression but unfortunately with the uh the cold that's a little difficult but i I think you're accurate have faith in yourself okay but of course ladies and gentlemen dog walker with cold (laughs) (laughs) that's anyway (laughs) this has been our insightful moment indeed it has and until then take care everybody and stay tuned bye-bye all you need to get an oscar is get mauled by a fucking bear it's just that easy